Blog Talk Radio. Good Sunday morning to you and welcome to the Pet Place Radio Show. I'm Marie Hewitt and I'm wondering how many of you out there have ever considered moving into a career working with animals. If you have, you're really going to be excited to hear what Kelly Maloney, the Director of Marketing and Communication for Duquesne University, has to say. She'll be stopping by in just a bit to talk about careers in animal care. Then later in the program, Marilyn Holdsworth, author of Pegasus, discusses her book about wild mustangs and her work with wild horse preservation. This is going to be a jam-packed episode with lots of great info, so grab your pens and some paper, and we'll get started right after a quick break here on AM 1260. Welcome back. You're listening to the Pet Place Radio Show on AM 1260. I'm Marie Hewlett, and joining me now is Kelly Maloney from Duquesne University. Welcome to the Pet Place, Kelly. Oh, thank you. I understand that your school has some very special programs that would appeal to animal lovers. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Sure, absolutely, we do. We have a Bachelor of Science degree in Humane Leadership, and it's an accelerated program uh, so that courses are only eight weeks in length, and it's totally online. Mm-hmm. We've got students from about 25 different states in the program. Wow. Uh, the program is really designed for people who are already working in or want to work in animal care and protection. So we've got animal control officers, shelter managers, veterinary technicians, even people who volunteer uh, within animal care, within shelters. That is very, very cool. And I Mm -hmm. really like the fact that it's offered online. Online Mm -hmm. courses are really the wave of the future, especially for working adults. Mm -hmm. It's so hard to carve out time in your schedule to go to an actual physical location, find a place to park, which... I know that <laughs> can be a nightmare at some schools. Yes. And then, you know, make the trek up to, you know, building 550, exactly. you know, way in the middle of the campus. Sometimes it takes, you know, a half hour longer just to walk to your class. It does. And, in fact, we because, you know, we've had a campus here within in Pittsburgh for over 125 years, but I will tell you that even some of the adult students who live close to campus actually choose the online format because they do like the flexibility. Oh, definitely. Now, when the class is offered online, Mm -hmm. do you have to meet online at a specific time or can you do it at your own convenience? No, it's really your own convenience. Uh, There are requirements in terms of how many times you interact online and how many times you log in per week. But in terms of when you're logging in, that's really up to you. I mean, we do have some people that that tend to be doing more of their work at night and then we have others doing it at their lunch hour and, and before work. Uh, we've got people that are shift workers, and again, because we've got students in varying time zones, there's really no good time that everyone could be online at the same time. Sure, that makes sense. And what kind of classes would you expect to be taking in the Humane Leadership Bachelor's Degree Program? Well, in addition to the university core and, and the other elective courses, some of the the Humane Leadership courses themselves, there are many that are animal-related, such as how cruelty to animals inter- is related to interpersonal violence or 
something about humane education or animal health and behavior in a shelter environment, as well as courses for strategic planning and organizational effectiveness, boards of directors, fundraising, and things that are important within many of organizations that are related to, to um, excuse me, to related to animals that are nonprofit. So, so a lot of the courses are actually more into nonprofit management and how do you manage volunteers and how do you do marketing and public relations as well. And that is so important to so many organizations mm-hmm. that are advocates for animals. So right. This is great to hear. And how long would you say from start to finish the average working adult takes to complete the bachelor's degree in humane leadership? Well, it really depends on the person and if they have any college experience. Someone who's coming in without any college courses could finish the program in about four years uh, by taking the accelerated format. They could take two eight-week courses at a time and finish. So finishing two per term, and we have two terms. So you basically you could do two courses in fall term one and two courses in fall term two and have four courses done you know, between August and December. So working full-time, they could do it in about four years. A lot of our students come in actually with an associate's degree or some other college credit. So obviously in that case, we transfer in credits, and there's so that would take less time then. Okay. And how long has this program been offered? You know, it's been offered, I want to say it's about six years or so. Oh, wow. I had no idea. Mm Mm-hmm. Have you made any changes over that six years, or is it pretty much the same as when you started? Well, we definitely refine the curriculum um, you know, as we go. Uh, I would say the biggest change we made was in the last year. We reformatted actually all of our bachelor's degrees. There are now more elective credits. We removed some of the core courses that, that we found to not necessarily be essential and added more elective courses in. That's good for two reasons. One is someone who already has college credits then can transfer in more courses because they can typically apply to those electives. So instead of having, I think we had 21 credits of elective, we now have 42. Wow. So, th- so that can actually, someone coming in with college credits can probably finish sooner because they can transfer in more credits. Can somebody take a look at the online class offerings on a catalog that's made available online? Sure. At our web at our website, it's um, www.duq.edu slash leadership slash humane. And the, the whole catalog is listed there. So yes, all the courses see. are listed there with the descriptions and, and more about the program, sure. Ah, excellent. Mm-hmm. What is tuition? I know it's going to be out of state for everybody here in California, so what would a Californian expect to pay in tuition costs? Actually, and we don't cha- our tuition is the same. We don't have, because we're a private university, tuition is an in-state and out-of-state is the same, actually. Oh, excellent. Uh, so tuition and fees per credit, and each, so each class is three credits. Tuition and fees per credit would be 692 Okay. And then that would not include books and, and additional things that you'd books. need. Right. All right. So and in and, and mentioning tuition, I'll also mention that the majority of our students are also receiving some type of financial aid as well. Oh, yeah, and, and I would really encourage everybody to look into grants, especially the FAFSA grant. Oh, yes. I mean, there's a lot of lot of help out there to get your education and, right. and do some good things. And, and in, in fact, there even sometimes there are scholarships. That, you know, it might be a scholarship for a single mother. It might be a scholarship for someone working in a shelter. There are other scholarships out there as well. Okay, and... That's another thing. Do you have any tips for people who are looking for scholarships, what kind of searches they should do? You know, 
I'd have to look. I, we, I believe we have some of that on our website. There, that's hard because some, some of them are on different time schedules. But we have a list. I don't have it handy, but we do have a list of those types of things on our website. Uh, but a lot of times you could even just do a search on animal shelter and scholarships. Um, and I believe there are some sites out there you know, for paying for college that would have others as well. Okay. So typically what we do is when an advisor is working with a prospective student, they'll usually send them the links to the ones that they know that are available or coming up. Oh, so you do have advisors that people can talk to and, and get some good information before oh, they, they make the big leap into this. Yes. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. I know there are other universities that offer programs that are animal-related. What mm-hmm. makes your program unique compared to others that may be similar? Well, I think our program was the first one that was available online um, and I think the main thing that makes it unique is, as far as I'm aware, there aren't any other programs that are regionally accredited. And if you look at most universities, uh, they they have regional accreditation. Uh, the reason that's important is that, for example, if and we have this happen sometimes, if someone has a, degree, a bachelor's degree from an unaccredited institution, they may not be able to apply and get accepted into a master's program in, a, in an institution that has regional accreditation. And you'll find that most traditional universities are regionally accredited. Okay. And, uh, and also we've been around for over 125 years, so it's actually a, a university with a very long history, and just probably in the last 12 years we've been doing online education as well. That's excellent. I know some universities require their online students to come and take at least one or two days of classes on mm-hmm. site. Is that a requirement with your organization? It is not. Oh, yeah. and that's, wonderful. And that's the one thing. It's, uh, online courses vary definitely depending on institutions, but no, we do not have any kind of residential requirement. Oh, that's fabulous because I know that could be a pretty big additional expense right. that might deter some students. Right. How can somebody find out more information if they wanted to pursue this? I think the best thing would be that someone could give us a call. It's uh, 800 283-3853, or also visit the website at duq.edu slash leadership slash humane. Excellent. And I, we're open six days a week, so people oh, can call Monday through Saturday. Outstanding. Do you keep any kind of records, or do your alumni check mm-hmm. back with you and tell you what they've done with their degrees? How, what are your statistics as far as people actually applying their degree to a different job. That we definitely do hear back from some alums who, and we've had, actually we've had some people that get promoted or get different positions while they're in the program. Uh-huh. But we've also had alums that, you know, come back to us. We had one student in the program who's actually now teaching at her local community college, and she's teaching humane education. Oh, wonderful. So yeah, we do often hear back from people that have um, either made a move within their organization just to a, a higher position or someone who is, has gone elsewhere into a different company that's doing something very different, as I said, the you know teaching or um, working as an animal control officer. We've had some really interesting things that we've heard back from. And other people that have start, want to start their own nonprofit, we have one student, I think actually she's in Southern California, who has her own magazine, uh, pet-related magazine. Ah. So, yeah, some excellent. really interesting things that are going on. And do you offer master's degrees and PhDs also? Well, the university offers master's and PhDs. As far as the humane program goes, we do have a certificate that someone can get. We, we've actually seen, believe it or not, we've had a lot of attorneys come back to us to get a certificate in 
community leadership related to the Humane Program, and that's because they their passion is while they are they're lawyers by trade, their mm-hmm. their passion is animals, mm-hmm. and so a lot of them are coming back to get that to finish the major courses in the Humane Leadership, so that they can use that and work in an animal related field. I see. Kelly, this is just a fabulous program, Mm -hmm. and I'm so glad you were able to explain a little bit more about it today. Before we say goodbye, Mm -hmm. let's remind our listeners one more time about your online web address. Sure. It's www.duq.edu slash leadership slash humane. Wonderful. Thanks for coming on the Pet Place today. Oh, thank you so much. It was my pleasure. Oh, good. It's time for a quick message from the station now, but don't go away. We'll be back with author Marilyn Holdsworth, and we'll be talking about wild horse preservation. Stay with us on the Pet Place Radio Show here on AM 1260. Welcome back to the Pet Voice Radio Show. Author Marilyn Holdsworth joins us now and really has a terrific story to talk about. Welcome, Marilyn. Well, thank you. Yes, good morning. Glad to talk with you. I understand that you have a very special passion that revolves around wild horses, and you've written a book called Pegasus that has wild horses as a main part of the theme, right? Yes, well, that's uh, they, the Mustangs are a very big part of the book, and uh, it's uh, something that I've been interested in, the preservation of the wild horses for quite a long time, and uh, so I just uh, I just thought that I would use it as a backbone of my, my novel. Now, your novel is fiction, but it still addresses very real issues. Well, that's true. That's true, it does, and uh, that was the idea of uh, really why I wrote the book. Without giving away a little too much so that people will be interested, can you give us a little synopsis or tease about what the story is about? Uh, Well, yes, it's about um, my heroine, Hannah. And uh, Hannah is a a very um, attractive and uh, a young lady of about 30 years old. Um, She's a very successful journalist who's been focusing on animal abuse issues. Hmm. And uh, she accidentally meets and is introduced to um, lawyer Winston Caulfield III. And uh, uh, Winston is very taken with Hannah's beauty and her first fierce uh, commitment to her work. So he joins her in a fight to save the wild mustangs. And together they rescue a very badly injured horse with a very mysterious background. Mm. And Hannah's search to discover the animal's true identity leads them into um, a real web of black marketeering and, and intrigue. Wow. So that's kind of a, <laughs> uh, the way the story is going to unfold. Okay. And it's called Pegasus. Where is yes. it available? Yes. Available? Well, I, it's on... Um, Amazon and uh, Barnes and Noble, and in Pasadena area, it's at uh, Romans, and then it's in other bookstores too. How did you research the the information that you used to to paint the picture of uh, wild mustangs, the slaughter that goes on, um, and all this other terrible thing? I can't talk. All the other things that go along with with the wild horses here in our country and 
and the fight that so many people are taking it to save them? Well, I just read a lot, and um, I've been to some of the um, locations where they have the horses, and I just uh, um, have done a lot of um, research uh, in reading newspapers and books and and uh, visited with uh, several people involved in the um, the uh, preservation of the animals. Have you ever adopted one of the wild horses? Yes, I did. Oh, tell me about that, the whole experience. Well, it was very, um, very interesting. I I adopted a, a horse, and I had the horse at, uh, uh, up in um, Northern California mm-hmm. on a, in a sanctuary. And, um, yes, I went to one of the adoption uh, um, the state they had it over here in um, uh, Pomona. Who puts on time. these adoptions? Pardon me. Who puts on the adoptions? Uh, the Bureau of Land Management. Okay, and and what's involved in that process? So you go down, you know that there's going to be an adoption event. Take well, walk us through that. Um, I haven't been for quite a while, but when I did go, uh, the process was that you went over there and looked at the animals and saw which ones, if there was one that you felt that you wanted to to adopt. And then, um, you know, you filled out the paperwork in terms of where you were, what your plans were for it and where you were going to keep it and so on and so forth. And they, it was a, a fee, very very similar to, to going to a, a humane society or something of like that. Oh, okay. Where, so there um, is an adoption fee. Um, I imagine it's very affordable, though. Yes, yes, it was. At the time that I uh, looked into it, it was $125. Wow. And um, anyway, they had quite a large number of horses there. Now, when you adopt a wild horse, are you in for a lot of veterinary bills right from the get-go? I'm sorry? When you adopt a wild horse, can you expect having a lot of veterinary bills right from your first day? Well, not necessarily. I mean... If they're range horses and they've been out in the wild, and there's a chance that they're extremely hardy. Mm-hmm. And if you, you know, get one that's uh, that's young and healthy, and and uh, they just need the usual care. Okay. And, how do they uh, respond? How how do they make the transition from being a wild animal to living with people? Well, that's something that I think, um, you know, they'd have to t- spend a lot of time. Um, you know, spending time just taming them down and you want to get a younger one so that you can work with them Mm -hmm. Um, and be very careful and very patient. But in my case, I just, um, I wanted the horse to be free. So I I took, I had the horse uh, shipped up to uh, the wild horse sanctuary. Ah. So this, this horse is just roaming free in the wild horse sanctuary. Can you tell me about the sanctuary? Yes, it's uh, it's up in uh, Northern California, and um, they have uh, uh, lots of acres of, of open ground, and they take care of the horses very well, and they provide um, extra feed for them, and they just um, and they look after them if they need any any medical attention. They look after them, and it's a it's a very worthwhile uh, worthwhile place. Well, it sounds really nice, and and it's also it's very frustrating to know that a lot of these horses that are out on uh, lands that are managed by the Bureau of Land Management don't have a very uh, good future ahead of them. I know that there's been a a call to uh, trim down their numbers significantly, which... 
isn't well, a good thing necessarily. <laughs> yes. Well, I think I think it's a, it's it's the problem that that the um, uh, ranchers and 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 uh, the um, uh, horse lovers are going to have to come together mm-hmm. and figure out what to do. And I do believe that the um, the American wild horse is a real treasure, and it's something that we'd really like to see preserved. And, and what's uh, the biggest complaint that the ranchers have about the wild horses? Well, I think they don't want to share the the range. They don't want to share the the food. They don't want to share any of it. Are there and really that they, many out there that yeah. they'd cause? Well, a, there there are a lot of them out there, and uh, they're big bands of them, and. Uh, and they they feel that they are a threat, and and so therefore they 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 have to they have to work it out somehow. Yeah. And uh, that's something I I know that uh, uh, a lot of people are working on, but I don't think that's been very successful yet. Okay, okay. So this so is this sounds like it's been a, a long passion with you. Well, I've always loved horses, and um, just. Um, Always through my, throughout my lifetime, I've had horses, and I just uh, I don't have any horses right now myself, but I I did have, and I just I feel they're wonderful animals, and uh, I'm just deeply concerned about um, any kind of exploitation and abuse of them. And I when I wrote the book, I just wanted to make people aware and and gain their support, hopefully, in the fight against this type of maltreatment. Well. Are you uh, donating a portion of the proceeds at all towards the cause? Well, I certainly am thinking about it, and we've—I uh, haven't really uh, met with people yet, but we're we're thinking about that oh, and what really direction nice. to go. Because, um, as I say, I'm very very concerned about it. Well, for uh, for people out there who are interested in writing and want to know all about the process. How long did it take you to write this book? Did it did it happen pretty quickly once you got the story in mind? Did it just sort of take well, its the, own path? <laughs> the story part and thinking up the story and the characters, that was the fun part. Mm-hmm. And um thinking up the plot and and all of that and then but uh what the challenge is is, is trying to juggle all the other things that are uh in one's life, you know, trying to put it together. So it did take several years to get it completed. Wow. In my case, yes. Okay. <laughs> I had a lot of other things that had to be dealt with along the line, and so, you know, you just uh, have to prioritize, as it were. Definitely. I know this book will appeal to a lot of our listeners, but do you think it will also have uh, an appeal to the general audience? Well, I would hope so. I, I would like to think so. I think I think it that the book would appeal um, to women of all ages, certainly. Okay. And I think that most women would uh, identify with my central character, Hannah. In what way? In what way? Well, she's a very appealing, um, strong-willed young lady, and she just um, has adversity that she has to uh, cope with and and get past, and she just uh, has her mind set on what she's doing, and... uh, She's just a, a very uh, commendable character. Wow. Is there a particular scene that she's involved with in this story that you'd like to highlight or um, a, expand a, a little bit about? And- uh, well, yes, there was a, a particular scene that I I uh, thought was especially nice, and that was about when she uh, takes Pegasus, the horse that's the central character of the book, takes him out and rides him for the first time to really let him show her 
what his true background is. Oh. And so would you like me to read a little bit of it? Sure, if you don't mind. All right. Um, I'll read a little bit of it. Hannah slid her hand down Pegasus' neck, grabbed and gripped a clump of his mane, and swung easily onto his back. He sidestepped, tossed his head, and then craned his neck around to look at her perched astride him. He snorted and backed up before responding to her legs clamped firmly against his sides. She gripped the halter rope in one hand and wrapped the fingers of the other tightly in his mane. Suddenly Pegasus' head came up. His ears flicked, and he broke into a trot. Another nudge from Hannah's heels sent him into a smooth, rolling canter. They cantered out of the barnyard and across the small, grassy meadow toward the ranch's old training track. The low white fence around the large oval was broken in places, the white paint peeling, and weeds sprouted from the sod. Hannah slowed Pegasus to a walk as they entered the gate at the far end. Once inside the ring, Pegasus pawed the dirt eagerly and flicked his ears, looking down the long stretch toward the first turn. Think you've seen something like this before, fella? I bet you have. She leaned forward to smooth his arched neck, tightened her grip on the rope, and wound her fingers more firmly into his mane. Okay, boy, let's see what you remember. Hannah crouched low on the horse, speaking softly as he pawed and pranced impatiently. Then suddenly she dug her heels sharply into his sides. Go, she yelled. Go, boy, go. Her heels pummeled him, and she slapped the rope against his neck. Pegasus responded instantly, lunging into a full gallop and bolting down the track. Thundering on toward the first turn, he hugged the rail, his powerful stride lengthening as he rocketed toward the back stretch. Hannah held on, hair streaming in the wind, her chant of go, boy, go, drowned out by his pounding hoofs. Wonderful. Marilyn, I think a lot of listeners are really going to enjoy your book immensely, and I'm thrilled so. you were able to stop by for a while and share a little. Oh, I'm so glad you did. That was awfully nice of you to call. Well, thank you so much, and we need to take one last break, but we'll be right back with Pet Place News here on AM 1260. Don't go away. Back on the Pet Place Radio Show, I'm Marie Hewlett, and it's time for Pet Place News and Events. Are you looking for a fun date night for you and your dog? Well, have I got the perfect place for you. Each and every Monday from 6 p.m. to midnight, dress up your pup for a night on the town and head on over to Fred's Mexican Cafe. Dine on the patio, and when you order an entree, your four-legged friend receives a yummy doggy stew for free. For more information, call 714-374-TACO, 714-374-TACO, or surf on over to www.fredsmexicancafe.com. And don't forget to check out the Pet Place website at petplace.org to find out more Pet Place news. And once there, click on the contact link and say hi or give us some suggestions for topics you'd like to hear discussed on the show. That's all for me today. Remember, pets need love and a home, too. We'll be back next weekend here on AM 1260. I'm Marie Hewitt. Please stay or neuter your pets and have a wonderful day. 